Hello and welcome back to Coffee with Coasties. We're here today kicking off season two, some fresh brew for you here in 2021. I'm your host, Joe Nemeth. I've got my co-host, Kelsey Sider. Hey, hey. What's up, Kelsey? Not much. How's it going? It's going. In the studio today, we're very excited. We have got Master Chief Carl Mullen from Station Portsmouth. How you doing, Master Chief? I'm doing great. Good. So first things first, how do you take your coffee? Uh, I don't know. It depends on my mood. Ooh. It depends on how much time I have, I think. Oh. <laughs> if I don't have any time, it's black. Just okay. grab and go, you know. But, you know, if I just want to kind of hang out and enjoy it for a little while, maybe a little cream and sugar. Ooh, I'm not okay. afraid of that. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah. That's good. I hope no bosun mates are laughing at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> See me, I'm like black with just a little bit of like stevia sweetener. That's yeah. been my go-to for like 10 years now. Nice. But Kelsey, how about you? Uh, it's, it's always just a splash of cream. Splash of cream. All right. I like it. Well, thanks for coming in today, Master Chief. We're glad to have you here. Uh, our district chief of staff, John Krogman, put us together, and I want to thank him right here on the air for making this connection. We've got a lot in common and a lot of interest in Coast Guard and Team Coast Guard. And so to kick us off, uh, I've told us everybody who you are and where you're at, but tell us a little bit about your history and your career in the Coast Guard. Gosh, so it's been right 25 years. I've got in right about now. Um, so it's been really neat to have a career where I've gotten to travel quite a bit. Um, I started out on the Outer Banks of North Carolina in Hatteras at Station Hatteras. Um, I grew up in Orlando and moving from Orlando where there's you know, like a 24-hour Taco Bell to Hatteras where there's like a Burris Red and White and something <laughs> might be open in the wintertime or not. Yeah. It was a really interesting transition um, and life change, but... So we did that and then went over to Charleston to the Gallatin there, 378-foot cutter there. Um, I actually had a break-in service, so after that job, I left the Coast Guard for just over a year um, and then had a unique opportunity to come back um, and went to Lejeune, Camp Lejeune there, to stand up the um, Special Missions Training Center, which was then PSU Trade at, but we transitioned mm -hmm. it over um, to a joint um, training facility. Let's see, we left there. Um, Man, it, you know, my brain isn't what it, it used to be. All just blurs together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so from there, I went to um, Massachusetts to a 110 uh, Cutter Sanibel working out of Woods Hole. And then from Woods Hole, I went to be the executive petty officer in Elizabeth City. And then from Elizabeth City, I went down to Miami to commission the fifth FRC, which was a lot of work. Um, really exciting work, but it was a lot of work. Uh, great boats, great handling boats, uh, and can take a beating. Um, so we went from there to, I went to the 87 in Canaveral, which was then the Shrike. You can't keep track of them anymore because of the RDAP program, but the Shrike was there. We transitioned over to Moray. I was there for a couple years and then um, picked up my officer in charge tour here or up there in Portsmouth, Virginia. So awesome. it's been wow. a really diverse, diverse career. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to talk off air, but we probably uh, have a lot of the same friends out of that early days of the PSU down there at Lejeune because uh, yep. I, I have quite a few guys and quite a few stories there we can share okay. off air here. But. We'll do yeah, it. Well, while we're talking about it, just, well, we have a short story. A regarding, short story? Yeah, the uh, captain out of there recently. The, uh, so it wasn't last year, so it would have been 2019. Uh, actually bumped into a, a couple of them, the captain and a couple other people. Um, they had come to a Penner County commissioners meeting. They were presented with a plaque thanking them uh, for some work that they had helped do uh, during Hurricane Florence. Wow. Cool yeah. You go. So, and I, so I got to meet them. I, I walked in and I was like, 
are there are there other coasties here and i was like why is there a, i don't understand what's happening i was like i'm just here to ask for a, a proclamation for uh national safe boating week and they're looking at me and they're like why is there an auxiliary <laughs> so it was a lot of confusion but it was uh, it was pretty cool they were really uh really see, great group first things first the public knows this that's why they all expect it but we don't know everybody in the Coast no. Guard. <laughs> right. Isn't that always great? But everybody you thinks get, you do. Everybody yeah. thinks right? you do. Oh, you can be in a small so? organization. You could be in the grocery store, in your trops, getting something, and they're like, my cousin Larry is on a cutter in San Francisco. Do you know him? <laughs> so now I just run with it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Larry and I drink Such beer together guy. all the time. Oh, <laughs> I usually politely just decline and, you know, offer my feedback. But yeah. yeah. But it is that happens quite often. You're right. Yeah. The general public thinks we all are like, in the same classroom together every day or Cause something. We're just that small. They, we're just that small. I don't think the average person really knows that many people in the Coast Guard because we're that yeah. small. They either think you're a sanitation worker or they realize you're in the Coast Guard <laughs> and then they ask you. D- you. Depending on the depending on the uniform, you might even be in the Air Force. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. How long have you been in the Air Force? Never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. Cool stuff. So we are going to go with our little fun fact today here. All right. Uh, I always try to read a little fun fact. And I read it out of a children's book here so they can just tell you the quality of fun fact we're going to get today. But did you know that the Coast Guard drove landing craft on D-Day? That's right. In every major amphibious assault during World War II, the Coast Guard experienced piloting small boats and the rough surf made them exceptionally qualified to take the troops and equipment ashore. The landing crafts themselves offered little protection through... uh, though leaving the crews vulnerable to sniper fire, machine guns, and mortars. The landing routes were poorly charted and often minded. It fell to the ingenuity of the coxswain and the crew to make the troops safely to the beach. All in all, the Coast Guard manned roughly 100 vessels on D-Day, ranging from landing craft to operations flagships on the USS Bayfield. Not only did these crafts put thousands of troops ashore, but they also saved over 400 soldiers that day that were stranded in the sea. So the Coast Guard did their part at D-Day. I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. It's a lot of little things that the Coast Guard gets overlooked for. So we try to bring some little fun facts and history corner and things like that here to the episode. Sure. Yeah. So uh, what has been your favorite either duty station or uh, thing that you've done uh, in your 25 years? Boy, that's a loaded question. I'm, I'm sure it is. You, you know, I... <laughs> I don't think I really have one favorite um, duty station. I would say probably the most rewarding jobs I've ever had. Um, certainly this one that I'm in right now. Just everybody, you know, as if you're an officer in charge, you go through what we call the officer in charge review board process. It's basically a you know, two hour long interview where you sit in front of eight other subject matter experts. They ask you all kinds of questions all under the sun in operations, finances, you name it. Um, but when one of the questions they always ask is, well, why do you want to be an officer in charge? Because you kind of need to want to be one to really be good at the job, I would think. Um, But for me, it's always, what is my scope of impact on others? You know, my opportunity to help other, other people be successful and to watch people grow, you know, you in a four year tour, the people that you start working with most, most of them aren't even there by the time you end. But then if the ones that are there by the time you end, are not the same people that you started with. And if you're doing it right, that's that's how it should feel. So, you know, the command jobs, the officer in charge job, um, anywhere where I can get the opportunity to help other be other people be successful. Um, some of the, like, 
coolest moments I've had in the Coast Guard. Um, I was a second class, I think, second class boat mate. I was on the Gallatin. We were doing um, air, air use of force, right? That's really popular now in the service. Mm-hmm. But in the late 90s, we had two ships, two leased helicopters, and only two boats. That wow. was it. And it was proof of concept. We were out there trying to prove that this capability was going to work. Um, and the original plans called for two helicopters on scene at all times. And I'd been around long enough at that point, which wasn't that long, to know that helicopters don't always operate. And sometimes they break. And it, eventually we're going to have to do something with two boats. And that that did happen. So I was able to um, work down in the the combat space on the ship. We came up with the tactics, how we we're going to go you know, apprehend and uh, pursue this vessel that had tarped over. It was perfect flat calm conditions. And um, I think it was Seneca and us. We had the two small boats. We came up with the tactics, went in, apprehended this guy, chased him for about 10 to 15 minutes going, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour over flat calm seas, tarps blowing in the wind. This guy came and see where he's going. And we eventually stopped this guy and it was a cocaine bust Mm. and apprehended five um, suspects. So after that, they kind of, they had to go public with um, the operation. And as an E5, I got to go to Washington DC for the initial press release on the operation. It was just one of the coolest things I've ever done. That's so cool. And I turned around and I looked at my crew. I was like, do you realize we just did in 10 minutes what every Coastie like dreams of doing in their career? It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was pretty cool. That's so, right. I, after, I'm loving this energy right now. Yeah. Like, like we think it's super cool and you're nerding out with this. This is awesome. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'll totally do that. That's right up there with the guy that beat on the door to the submarine yeah. a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah. It's like everybody said, yo, but we had no GoPros. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We had, we had no technology like that. And if I showed you the pictures of the things that we were wearing then, yeah. it was like, you know, we went and bought off the shelf, like high speed, um, you know, life jackets that wow. weren't like orange. They were like black and blue. And we were wearing, you know, um, aviation cranials as helmet protection mm-hmm. that tied into the communications center. And like, if you looked at the boats, the generation boat they have now, it's like aluminum hull and oh, yeah. it's beefed up. It's got these huge, like, you know, handholds and the handholds we had were literally like cabinet pulls that were, you know, out of a hardware store on the side of a fiberglass, you know, um, box. You were so, running Boston Whalers back then, right? Well, no. this was a, it was a, this was a Zodiac product. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and they, they'd only made a couple for us. So if you broke it, you had to fix it. There was no replacement. So you, so. you mentioned late nineties in aviation. Are you talking about the early days of the Hitron and all that or that? Yes. That was, what that was into Hitron. That? Yeah. Well, Hitron was Hitron then. Okay. They called them the, themselves that, but they were the, proof of concept crews. There were only two avdets that were doing it. There were only two ships. We patrolled together in tandem. Um, It was just a really neat experience. Yeah. And that program, what was it in 19 turned 20 years old? Is that right? I think I saw, didn't we do an article on that or it's a press release or something on that came about. That's very cool. It was cool. And like I tell, I tell folks that I work with everybody in the coast guard has an opportunity to change the landscape of the organization. You just have to volunteer. Oh yeah. Yeah. When you see an opportunity, you've got to step up to the plate and take that opportunity. Oh, 
I, I didn't want to interrupt, but I want to say that, um, you know, there's an, uh, some recognition for innovations mm-hmm. within the Coast Guard and yep. that type of, um, you know, promoting of innovations within you. If you see a problem, find a way to fix it. And it's things, you know, it's attachments for the boat so that you can pull the buoy, you know, the buoys on board and do basic repairs. Like mm-hmm. it's really cool stuff like that. So, um, you know, being involved in like early stages of programs and stuff and then, um, you know, from your experiences and then seeing how that, you know, that innovative type culture is promoted within is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat to see it progress over time. Yeah. 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 I can tell you just, just my progression in, in the auxiliary and what I've done there. Um, I was having a conversation the other day with a couple of guys and they were talking about, yeah, I was in, I was in the Marine Corps. I wish I would have done army. And then this guy was saying, oh yeah, if I had to do ever again, I'd do air force. And they looked at me and I'm like, Coast Guard's the best. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. change anything. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Uh, it's just, sure. a, it's an amazing service and, and you know, it's so overlooked and most people don't understand what the average personnel does. And, and typically it's wearing several hats, right? Not Absolutely. just one thing that you do. Um, and it's, and again, it's bringing that innovation and the fact that command will listen to new ideas and implement new ideas. I mean, they're listening to us as auxiliarists, which is just phenomenal. So I can't imagine the feedback and two-way communication respect you guys get on active duty and reserve. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And you know, if you want to have a good idea, have a lot of them. Yeah. And you can't make decisions in a vacuum and you, you know, you're, that's what diversity is about too, right? You're, you're taking all these experiences and backgrounds and cultures and it's already proven that, you know, decisions that are made with diverse groups of people that don't kind of lean towards groupthink, you tend to come up with better solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's a part of my job that I really enjoy, too, is not just being able to collaborate with people, but that helps people grow, you know, professionally, personally. They get those opportunities to exercise those decision making skills. Um, and that's just, you know, that's that impact piece. Yeah, it's really cool. That That's very interesting. Uh, so tell us any any hitches in Hawaii. No, oh, no. I, I've tried to go to Hawaii. I tried to go to Guam once long ago and i think i've i've been pretty much an east coast sailor although you know the 378 and the fast response cutter um out of miami those took me to some amazing places yeah. um islands especially down you know puerto rico and uh, martinique and bonaire and tortola and the list goes on and on oh yeah some beautiful yeah. places down there yeah so our first guest that didn't have a hawaii connection right I don't know if he's really the first. But yeah. there for a while, we were running like three or we, four in a yeah, row. Hawaii, like, well, yeah. Alaska. Hawaii and Alaska. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's cool. So what what's in future for you? What do you have? What what do you what's on the horizon? Well, the horizon's getting pretty close. The, the sun <laughs> is going down. I'm waiting for the green flash in two weeks. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I'm getting ready to go through the change of command at Station Portsmouth. Um, Tom Frisbee is going to come and relieve me. Uh, on June 4th, and then I'm going to go ahead and retire in October. Uh, so it'll be nice to be home. I feel like I haven't been home in nine years. I've been a geo bachelor in this job for four. Um, and then the two years prior to that, like I said, I was on two patrol boats. Uh, so they, they keep you pretty busy down in D7. Um, yeah. So That's it's going to be good to be home. Yeah. I, I think, That's unless my wife kicks me out. And, but where is home? So home's in Hampstead. Okay. Um, yeah, just All so right, just north of Wilmington Pender, Pender and South County. of Jacksonville. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I have to do my research on all my guests. Go for it. And, and I ran across a little bit here of you playing a guitar. Yeah. So I see you're yeah. a musician. 
So, have you, do you write original material or? I really don't. I've I've given it a shot before, okay. um, but I really don't write too much. Uh, I I like to cover a bunch of you know all kinds of stuff. From I mean anything from like Chris Stapleton to Bob Dylan to Jimmy Buffett, you name it. The it's off the charts as far as anything gotcha. I'd, I'd play. But yeah, I really enjoy playing. I play a little bit up in uh, Hampstead, um, just in spare time. Gotcha. You know? Okay. So. so you mentioned Jimmy Buffett. Probably one of my favorite songs of all time is "A Pirate Looks at 40. Yeah. That is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. You I like a lot of his stuff. You want to sing a little bit for us? I'm putting <laughs> put you on the spot oh, wow. here. It's like, oh, I'll go man. get my guitar out. And we'll dust it off here. You can just oh, serenade man. us with a little... No, we, those we, are, the, we, we didn't the Ned Land of the crew is that dude's name in um, that old Disney uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Who, yeah. Who, yeah. Like who had the little guitar or whatever. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, I am not a musician, but I'm married into a musical family yeah. where everybody plays an instrument and they just looked at me and like issued me a guitar and I was like, <laughs> uh, do something. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so I, I think I almost made it through like learning House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. 10, or, 10 or 12 years ago and then yeah. he's like hey we need a banjo player here and i'm like okay i'm done i'm out there's no way i can do I, this. I, I don't do banjo i would love to my my father-in-law he's that guy's a magician when it comes to anything stringed instrument but we've always kept instruments in our house and you know i've been really blessed both of my kids can play um my, my daughter's exceptional she's got a great voice um my son doesn't play as much anymore but i mean when he started playing his first song that he played in a, in a school talent show was Over the Hills and Far Away by Led Zeppelin. Wow. wow. Right? Yeah, that's something. So, my so my sister, my younger sister, and my older brother are both musicians. My brother's like this amazing rock and roll electric guitar guy who's played with Steve Vai and won all kinds of contests. And he just, he's like, oh, it's just a hobby. And then my sister, who got this musical scholarship and all this stuff, and now she teaches school, she can play anything. Like I could put a string on a paper cup and she would make a song with yeah. it. And and I have nothing. I tell everybody the only thing I can play is a CD player. And and those are even out of fashion. Push the now. button. So I am done They're gone. when it comes to trying to play anything. You can tell by the dust on my guitar that yeah. I don't play it. Yeah. But. I I used to I when I was a teen I tried I tried my hand at guitar, but you know, I just not musically inclined. It was one of those requirements of, you know, mm-hmm. being in school was to try to learn some instrument. And I just, I got over the recorder. Like I just, I felt silly. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm 14 years old playing a recorder. I'm going to try a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I picked it up when I was 12. I asked for a, a guitar for my dad and he got me a, a small junior sized Yamaha guitar. I played that from when I was 12 all the way till I was 18. And then when I joined the Coast Guard and could finally afford to get my own, I finally ponied up the making the it bucks sound like you make it. money in the coast yeah. guard well <laughs> his first paycheck. i've come across my first les that that it was money to me yeah it, his but. first paycheck he's down there at music center he's like ah, what you not got? on not in hatteras buddy <laughs> okay in hatteras. mail order in hatteras you were like at a uh, stopping at a yard sale looking for guitars now, fortunately we there is i think he was it might have been an mk that was with the aids navigation team he had a full-size yamaha that he was selling used for like a hundred bucks. I was like, I'll take it. All right. <laughs> you know, I got to graduate here. Yeah. Hand me down guitars, man. That's, yeah. That's great. I know, I know my brother and my sister could probably fill this room up with the instruments that they have together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can't do anything. So, uh, do you have a boat? I do. Okay. I do. Tell us about the boat because 
of course. Yeah, we want to know about <laughs> we it. We want to know about the boat. We want to know where like it's located, what times we can come ride yeah. with you. So it's, you know, I've, people I've got kind bring. of a funny story. You, if you don't have a six-pack, we'll make sure you have a six-pack in yep. exchange. Oh, <laughs> I see. I see. I think that's an illegal charter. I'm not sure. <laughs> no. <but laughs> I can't that's be compensated. That's another episode talking about <laughs> illegal charters, topic. right? That's a big deal. That's a big deal right now, illegal too. Illegal charters um, are a big deal. Yeah, trying to crack down on those and get folks, you know, at least doing it the right way. And it's really a, a more of a protection piece for the for the consumer, you know, but yeah, so I've got, it's 24 foot. Um, it's kind of like a center console. It's in between a bay boat and a, and a deep V. So I like, it's perfect for our area with the shallow water. I can get in and out of topsail inlet. No problem. Um, it's just, we love it. I'm going to try to get out this weekend, but so when I first got the boat, I put my, my whole numbers on it, you know, your registration numbers Mm -hmm. and I'm not, you know, I want it to look good. Right. Oh, I want it to look good. So I, I get on boat us and, I find these these letters and they, they look really cool. So I get these letters, they look really cool, and I put them on my boat. I go to work the next day, and uh, I show the, my my guys at work. I'm like, yeah, man, I put my letters on my boat. Check it out. And my BM, he was a BM two. He's now a BM BM one now. Brandon Cutting, this guy's so funny, and he <laughs> he looks at me and he's like, well, I'd write you for it. I was like, <laughs> write me for it. I'm like, what do you mean you write me for it? He's like those are illegal. You can't have those. They got to be block style. I was like, what? I was like, you can be that boarding officer job aid book you got. Sure enough, boy, block letters like son of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'd write you a ticket for it. See, I was like, all right. That's why you have a vessel safety check with your local auxiliary. That's right. I, just, I got carried away. We don't you know? write I wanted for to that. make it my own. We just suggest you, hey, you should probably change that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a team effort, right? You look at it all the time. You don't necessarily write, you That's know, right. notice. I learned that the first time I went out on auxiliary patrol, it was regatta for July 4th. And the boat I was on, uh, station pulls up next to us. I didn't recognize the guys. I think that, I think they were reservists or something, but, uh, <laughs> Don't give them too hard of a time. Come on. But they pull up and they're, and the guy stands out right up on the side and he's like, your registration's out. <laughs> and I was like, and our coxswain at the time, he, he retired this year, uh, uh, Bill Thompson, but he was, uh, he was, he was funny. Um, he was like, no, it's not. I got the paperwork at the house. Like, it's all good. And he's like, there's no, your sticker. And I like, I like bend over the side. I'm looking, I'm like, Bill, seriously? <laughs> it taught me then to, uh, to kind of, you know, check your surround. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that was, yeah, it was just a funny moment. He's like, I'd write you for it. I was like, oh, man. Like, what a rookie. What yeah. a rookie mistake. Yeah. Bush well, League. you get excited, right? Yeah. They say the greatest day to own a boat is the first day and the last day. Yeah, the day so, you get it and the day you sell it. We're still enjoying it. So, yeah. All right, you're in that honeymoon yeah. phase. Honeymoon yeah, phase. I think I still am. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am out of my honeymoon phase, as you can see by the leaves sitting in the Boston Whaler in yeah. the backyard. But. One day she shall ride again. She, she only will. has she only has six hours on the engine that I bought new. Oh wow! Two years ago. Yeah, you're still breaking it in. Yeah, I'm still breaking it in. But so when you're out there on the water, what's what's the uh, the number one thing that you're that you know your your BM two at the time said? Oh, I'd write you for it. What's someone? What's something that you see going on? Like I just want to pull that person over and and yell at him. Oh man, um, a lot I'm of sure times there could be so much. Not like <laughs> yeah, when I'm out, it's the it's usually the navigation rule stuff. You know, people kind of tend to jump from day marker to day marker and they don't tend to stay to the right side of the channel. Like the rules specify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's one of them. Um, you know, 
I get like people want to pull their kids in tubes behind boats and everything, but the ICW is just probably not the right oh place to gosh, do that right? Right because place. of the yeah. traffic. Sure. Um, because it's not going to take anything to bounce somebody off that. And people are going so fast. They're not going to have enough time to react, to come down for that boat to slow down enough um, to avoid colliding with somebody. So, Especially with commercial traffic, tugs and barges and, and yeah. larger vessels that use that. It's just they don't have the stopping distance. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the summertime, you get people two, three wide going mm-hmm. through there. So yeah. it's just like, take take your time. When it's safe to pass, pass, but stay to the right side of the channel so you're giving everybody enough room to run, you know, and get where they need to be. See, that's why I went with my small boat is because when I go out here and I leave, I shoot across the waterway and I run these private little creeks everywhere right. that I go where I don't encounter any people. And if I want to stop and fish or swim or whatever, <clears throat> there's not anybody mm-hmm. around. And yeah. it, it took me a few years to find those routes and those ways. And, you know, tide has to be right to run them, but that's only Speed's when I has got to be right too. Speed's got to be right. <laughs> and uh, that's why I went with the little small lightweight whaler to get me in and out of these shallow spots right like you it. get in and out of the water real easy too oh yeah super. you know it's not heavy yeah it's super easy yeah, yeah. It's good, good just boat, knowing sure. how crowded the icw gets you know like you said seeing three four deep sometimes mm-hmm. uh you know there's so many new boat owners over the past year of just not being able to do anything so people are like well i'm gonna buy a boat right i'm gonna you know have an activity that i can enjoy take the family out get out uh, and do things and there are so many new boat owners that I really, really, really kind of shudder at, you know, some of these holiday weekends that are coming up and some of those inexperienced right. boaters out there. And, you know, we've got, we just started our first public education boater safety classes today. And we didn't, we weren't able to teach any at all last year. Right. And there's right. such a demand for that. Uh, people who have to have it. First of all, you've got a lot of, you know, younger people. And then, uh, you know, just from people wanting to, you know, first time boat time, you know, first boat buyers, um, you know, that aren't even familiar with the area because they've moved here. They're mm-hmm. not even familiar with the intracoastal and, you know, the, the weird nuances about it, right. markers and navigation and things like that. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting summer from a public education perspective, I think. Absolutely. And hopefully, you know, you get a lot of a really good turnout for folks. You know, I like to think of it as like you didn't just start driving a car. Yeah. Right. You had to go through driver's ed. You had to do something to kind of learn and make sure you understand the rules and, and be safe. And boating's kind of the same way. You know, mm-hmm. take some time, get educated because a boat is not a car. It doesn't mm-hmm. react like a car. Yeah, there are um, no brakes. Right. And it, it can be a safe activity, but it can be an unsafe activity too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, a day on the water is not a successful day until you're off the water yeah. safely. Whether point. you're back at your dock, whether you're on the boat ramp. Um, whether you're in your driveway, on your boat lift, I don't, you know, the day is not successful until you've returned safely. So, yeah, my, my family has never liked going out on the water with me because I have all these rules and requirements <laughs> and everything. But, but growing up and, and, you know, being in the business, you know, both my father and my grandfather, both in uh, commercial vessels and headboats yeah. and growing up in that industry, to me, it's work. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not that it's not fun. But it's different, and so it, it is. Yeah, it's just it's just a different thing for me. To me, it's all right. I got to have this. I got to do that. And I'm thinking three or four steps ahead of what's the tide going to be doing? What's the weather? This, that, and the other. What do I need? What kind of situation could I run into? And uh, it takes the fun out of for the people that just want to go and ride on the boat and think it's all warm and fuzzy. Right. But we've never had a problem where we hadn't got back. Exactly. You know, you got to be you got to be prepared for that stuff. Yeah. 
you know, so. Tools, too. So many people go out there and they don't bring any tools. It's no like, tools. what do you think that outboard engine, what do you think is going to take to repair anything, you know? Yeah. I remember years ago I was out there and we had, like, family in town. And uh, my shifting cable broke. My engine wouldn't go from neutral into gear. I said, no problem. They're like, what are we going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Pulled the cover off. Got my vice grips. Finished the rest of the trip just shifting with the vice grips. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> to get back. Because hey, put in forward gear for me. Yeah, I was like, hey, pull it this way. Okay, you're good. I'll let you know when you take it out. Yeah. But that was just like the motor in me of, all right, well, we got to get back. You yeah, know, absolutely. Got to figure this out. It's, it's, it's simple, so yeah. We briefly mentioned the chartering, but something that's kind of started popping up in different places, and I know Southport has one uh, of these, is the basically the membership of renting a boat. Like, like boat a, clubs? Yeah, like right. boat yeah. club, yeah. So, like, you know, you can basically just join this club, and um, I don't think they even require, I don't want to misspeak, but I don't think that they require you to have um, a boater safety class prior to becoming a member. So for this like brief period of time, it's like, oh yeah, I need to go and take that, uh, you know, boater safety class. Maybe you have a certain amount of time to take it. I don't know. But those are, you know, people who don't even own a boat, who are driving right. different types of boats, not understanding how they handle in the water. You could be in a pontoon one day, you can go and take, you know, something bigger, smaller, whatever. Uh, so, you know, um, that's just a whole nother element to the inexperience yeah, people you deal with. It's like my mom always says, I'm not concerned about you, honey, when I you like drive. I'm concerned about all the other idiots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, it's it can be challenging. Um, you know, I mean, and those boat clubs are great options for, for folks it that is a good option. maybe don't want to really jump into the, the whole piece of boat ownership. Because yeah. like you said, it's a lot of work. Like, it's not just take the boat out. It's get the boat ready, get the mm-hmm. boat out, get it back, get it clean. The maintenance you know, and the yeah, trailer, so yeah. everything. It's a great option. But, yeah, I wouldn't speculate as to what um, what requirements they have because I'm not, I'm not familiar with them in terms of what kind of boating safety, what kind of knowledge stuff. I can tell you, like, in military morale programs, if they have, like, a boat morale program, we have all those requirements built in where mm-hmm. you have to be able to pass a boating safety exam, know the basic rules before you get out there on a, maybe a, a government, you know, or morale, non-appropriated fund owned um, facility or asset, you know. So, but we we put those safety precautions in there just to make sure our folks are safe. Yeah. yeah. So, and it and, doesn't matter if it's a kayak or if it's got an engine on it. No, that's yeah. good. Because so. to me, kayaks are just as dangerous because where do those same people go? Well, let's go to the waterway, you know, yeah. out there and let me the just other boats. paddle directly across to the other side of the water. That's yeah. a challenge, right? But, yeah. And I think, you know, Paddlecraft is great, and that's I because we're on the subject. I just want, I want to plug that um, every year. You know, this time of year, especially Safe Boating Weeks and stuff like that, we make a real uh, we put a real emphasis on paddlecrafts because they're they are the lowest barrier to entry to the maritime environment. They are right. They're cost effective. Mm-hmm. They're plastic, so they last forever. Um, but they have requirements too. So if you're going to be out at night, you still got to have a light. You still got to have a life jacket. You should probably be wearing that life jacket or find something that's comfortable for you. But we expend a lot of hours chasing after a kayak that floated away from your backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know the auxiliary probably has them. I know a lot of your um, Coast Guard stations have them, but they have the stickers that you can put on your paddle craft. So number one, if it gets away, you're going to get your property back. Um, Or it's got a phone number where we can contact somebody and make sure that somebody is safe or we can expedite, you know, search efforts. So please, please, please 
take care of your paddle craft, take care of yourselves. You know, um, if you're out there, we want everybody, I want everybody to enjoy the, the maritime environment, mm -hmm. you know, but the paddle craft stuff's cool and it's fun. I've got kayaks myself, but they've all got stickers on them. That's a very so. good point. It's, it's often overlooked. And the auxiliary does vessel safety checks on paddlecraft also to make right. sure they meet all the requirements and also given the advice. And that's that's the big key for us as auxiliarists is it's not about meeting the requirements because that would just be easy. Mm -hmm. But it's let's give them something more. Let's right. let's feed them more to make them more safe on the water and give them more tips and tricks like following the float plan where you go, which is extremely important with kayaks, right. right? I file a float plan with my wife if I take the boat out. Yeah. I say, hey, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm thinking about being back. And I'll use my cell phone and check in with you every few hours. Yeah. Just so she doesn't have to worry. And, you know, if she got to call the Coast Guard, <laughs> then, yeah, <laughs> then she will. But yeah, but so far, so good. And they come after their own pretty quick. So, yeah. <laughs> I like to think so. Yeah, yeah. We'll see after I'm retired. I've heard okay. I kind of become a little irrelevant. Yeah. That, yeah. So. yeah. Come, come in a few weeks, you'll, uh, the lame duck will kick in. They'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, we'll get to you in a yeah. couple days. No, but all, all really good points and, and good. If, if there's just one thing you want to give to the public, like one pearl on boating safety, what would that be? Like, I think, you know, we say it every time, and I've heard some of your other podcasts, and it's life jackets. Yes. You know, we go out to save lives. And too often we can't because that person didn't wear a life jacket. Yep. The life jacket's going to save your life, right? Whether, you know, no matter what, but just wear a life jacket. And make sure it fits you right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And any store, any retailer that you buy a life jacket from, they've got staff that's qualified to help and make sure it fits you and your children and, and get some variety for your guests. Too. Yep. You know, and so, and that's important to wait, make sure it's, snug around the chest and underneath the shoulders and neck but not too loose where it could slip off or, or cause uncomfort when you're suspended in the water you want to have that good fit and make sure you put it on there right and put a sounding device on there in mm -hmm. case we're we're looking for you in the dark and you see us but we don't see you you can blow that whistle so. right technology's gotten great too i don't yeah. know if you follow it but um i know the personal indic the personal locator beacons yep um, they've come down in price a lot over the years. They're super compact, super easy. You can put it in your life jacket. And if those goes off, those, one of those go off, it makes it a lot easier to kind of sure. find your location. But I like, you know, think about, you know, in these terms, how much is it going to cost you for a good life jacket? You know, it's going to cost you a few bucks, mm -hmm. but how much is your life worth? Yeah. How mm -hmm. much is your life worth to your friends and to your family? Because I guarantee you it's more than what you paid for your boat. And more than what you paid for your life jacket. But at the, end of the day, and at the end of the day, we want to get you back safe. And we can't do that if you're not wearing a life jacket. And the other yeah, thing so. is make sure it's appropriate for the activity and where you're going. Right. Right. Sure. So like you don't just, you can't put on like, um, you, you have to have an impact waste uh, rated. Rated, right. One for, yeah. you know, wave runners and things like that. So uh, keeping all that in mind too. I think I saw... Um, what, what, what was it last year was that uh that tiger king was the big the big show on netflix mm -hmm. and there's this dude and he just like it became a meme or whatever and he's just like riding off into the sunset on his wave runner and i was like that is i know you're a big dude but like that is not the right life jacket right. to be wearing <laughs> and it was some just like you know five dollar little pull-on it was just the kind that went around you know just regular type three that just went mm -hmm. around you know mm -hmm. your neck and stuff and i was like you were you're in trouble. Yeah. When, when you're you going get in 60 trouble. miles an hour, things can get ripped right off of you. Yeah. 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 It's not so. going to make it. 
Yeah. Any swimming floaties on your arms, they don't count. No. Okay. Yes. Uh-uh. Or, yeah, or, for, or for kids. No, for We've kids. seen people Even try to pass that off. It makes you feel like you've got muscles. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They, don't, they don't count. Maybe if they're under a shirt. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But no, all, all really good points. So, uh, so Kelsey, let's, let's see what you got in our history. First episode of the new season, National Safe Boating Week. What do you got in the history corner for us? Well, I don't really have anything. Okay. Because we're changing format. All right. And so I didn't really prepare anything super long. Well, that's fine. But do you have any... I'll take this opportunity, I guess, maybe to ask, what's your favorite uh, little Coast Guard history tidbit? What's something you like to talk about? Do you have anything? Historical, historical stuff. Um, not particularly, but I used to be really, really interested in the lighthouse service when I was, when okay, I was early yeah. in the Coast Guard. Well, and you were at Hatteras too, right? right? So that's I was there cool. when they moved the lighthouse um, oh, from its original location. Uh, that's pretty cool. That was that was a really monumental task to be able to take that that structure and move it. Um, but you know, didn't that take? Um, it took a couple of years, didn't it? Yeah, it took quite a while. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they were done by the time I left, but I was there when they started moving it. That's pretty, probably cool. still pretty neat. It. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. No, I think it's good now. <laughs> so what was um what was your interest in the lighthouse service around just I'm not sure it was it was just something that was, you know, part of the 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 coastal infrastructure. You know, I just I found it really intriguing that, you know, we had people that would stay in these houses, you know, and and service these lighthouses as their their duty. It was just very isolated and um, kind of a desolate job. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a whole lot of people there, and and some of the locations were just amazing, but yeah. not very desolate. So it just, I really enjoyed reading up on on the different lighthouses and the keepers, and you know what they were like and some of the accomplishments they had had um, while they were you know on duty. Yeah. So cool. just so happens here in my notes, I have uh, some information about Anthony Christie. You remember the story of Anthony Christie? So Anthony Christie was the oldest active serving Coast Guard member. He was the keeper of the Christina Lighthouse in Delaware. Christie died on duty September 1862 at the age of 105. Wow. When you think old man in the sea, <laughs> it's kind of... That's who impressive. You should picture 105 I, yeah. on duty. And I really want to research more like how many years of service that he had. I, don't, I feel like... Well, I won't say that. And this was active duty. This was not like an auxiliarist, you know, servant to 105. Yeah. This was, was active duty Coast that Guard. That was actually the comment I was going to make. I said, never mind. I won't say anything. Yeah. But <laughs> no, he was not <laughs> an auxiliarist, Kelsey. Okay? <laughs> he wasn't wearing pants with his ODUs, right? No, no, no. he wasn't. <laughs> That's impressive. I'm sure he was able to have a beard, though. Yeah. 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 So, oh, yeah. He could yeah. have the beard. Totally. I'm, yeah. I'm picturing that. When you hit 100 years old, it doesn't matter what you do, you can do There it. are no you rules. There are no <laughs> rules. Just, you know, take life at your own pace, please. Yeah. People say that about being a master chief, too. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Um, so, what do we got next? That's it, really. So really, just kind of closing it. Well, uh, you know, Master Chief, we appreciate you coming in. We do have something for you. Yes, we oh, do. Wow. We have. And this brings me much excitement, and okay. I'm really glad you're the first one that okay. I ever get to present with a challenge coin. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And also a coffee cup for you. Oh, very there, cool. So you can re- Thank you so much. So a little token to remember us by. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. So. You, you will always be able to remember your time at Coffee with Coasties. So when I join the auxiliary, I'll bring it with me and 
and we'll oh, absolutely yeah. this is now your your auxiliary mug okay so don't All watch right. this one just you know keep keep drinking Great. and the will. new member <laughs> application is also right there in your package yeah we, yeah, yeah, we take that with you. rolled it up Gotcha. Put it in there. We really appreciate awesome. you coming in. For our listeners, we appreciate you tuning in. We're excited about season two. We've got a lot of new guests. We've got a hurricane preparedness episode that we're going to be launching. Lots of new guests, new faces. We are going to bring back some of our you know, great guests from last season that were requested to come back again. Uh, our plan is to try to make coffee with Coasties as long as we can over the summertime we figure that's the height of the boating season we want to be out there on the air for coasties non-coasties so everyone can learn about coast guard history meet over the air you know not face to face but voice to voice uh, and hear stories about the coast guard and how we engage and hear boating safety things and we're glad you're here to kick that off kelsey glad you came back for a second season yeah um and if you go to coffeewithcoasties.com like and subscribe you can also find us on Facebook, find us now on Instagram, and check us out on Spotify and Apple Music. And did I miss anything? I think that's it. I think that's the biggest change is uh, from last season is we are now on iTunes and Spotify. iTunes and Spotify, that's nice. right. So go on there, get your daily brew. We're going to be launching all of last year's episodes too. So those of you that just discovered us, you can catch up. And we appreciate you tuning in. And thanks for coming in, Master Chief. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Really All right. enjoyed it. We'll see you on our next episode. Have a question or topic request? Reach out to us at www.coffeewithcoasties.com. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there.